Yeah, and I always try and make a, oh, Frederick Chopin is having an anime fever dream episode whenever, like, whenever it comes up. Just because, who thought? Who thought about that? Hello and welcome to Rhythm Encounter episode 59, the RPG Fan Music Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Salvato, and today we're here to talk about winter music for the first time since uh, 2015, apparently. So this is our last episode of the year, so we figured it was a good time to bring back this topic and cover the, the season. So with me today are my two co-hosts. I have uh, Alana Hags. Hello. And Mike Solosi. Hello. Yes, hello. I definitely wasn't expecting more than one word answers from both of you, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, did I big myself up for being? I was Googling ice puns and then I chickened out at the last minute. Oh, well, okay, now you got to share at least one of them. I... <laughs> it's taken a lot of energy just to get one out of my voice box. I mean, even like a. a and uh, ice to be here would be fine. Oh no! Don't make us do Arnold Schwarzenegger in That's, in Batman yeah. Robin. Oh Please yeah. Can, can, oh. Do you do Schwarzenegger? I feel like if anyone here. No, I oh no, I can't. Like I, I am bad at every single accent that isn't a Muppet. Um, <laughs> so like so, uh, yeah. I'm 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 used to hearing the intro jokes and puns from other guests and not actually like being put upon to do one myself. It's my bad. Okay. Is is there a winter theme Muppet? I can't really think. Is there like an Eskimo Muppet oh, or something? Oh, uh, I don't know. Probably, um, but at least there's a Muppet's Christmas Carol, which is one of the best is. Christmas movies. So, you know. Michael Caine yeah. in Muppet's Christmas Carol is an excellent Scrooge. Just straight up great. Agreed. He, 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 and he plays it like as traditionally as you want, except for the musical numbers about, uh, y- you know, coal and stuff. But uh, yeah, the... Muppet Christmas Carol, definitely worth it. One of the one of the better Muppet movies. Yeah. All right. So that's actually what we're here to talk about today. We're going to talk about the Muppet Christmas Carol. Um, we can talk about Frozen. We can talk about whatever other like. Uh, let that off, one go. Not off the mel- melody of memory, please. No. <laughs> it, oh, mel- I I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to get to that melody of memory, but that's another topic. Yeah. Let's, is, let's see if we can deal isn't with- that game? Wasn't that game a sixty dollar full uh, full purchase price title? It was. It, it is, uh. and that's fine. Hmm. If if the uh, you know the problem with a rhythm game, if you have lag in your controls, it pretty much makes the game useless, at least to me. So uh, well, to me, it being a Kingdom Hearts game is what it make, is what makes it useless. But uh, uh. that's that's neither here nor there. Yes, but uh. the music you can't dispute the music in Kingdom Hearts. I don't think. Sure. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I haven't played enough to oh. have a, a a great feeling of the oeuvre of Kingdom Hearts music. So spoiler alert: I did not include any Kingdom Hearts music in my choices today. <laughs> yes, I don't think any of us did. No, but that's okay. What we do have today are some really really great winter themes, and I use the word "great" again. I'm sorry. I should redo that. That's a callback to a couple episodes ago. So if you didn't listen yeah. yet, you should go listen to it. Anyway, I don't think we really need to explain a whole lot about 
winter music. It's it's either uh, music that is used in a winter-themed you know area or a town or in some cases a whole game that is wintry. Um, it was a you know one of my favorite earlier episodes of the show, so I thought it was a good time to you know revisit this. It's a cute topic, and there's been like how many games in the last five years? Yeah, lots of ground to cover. So much, yeah. And, and also, I just like wintry and and icy areas in games. There's just a, uh, I don't know. It's always just so like dark and crystalline, and makes you like either feel the harshness of the cold around the stage, or makes you feel warm and cozy in a building while the the, the cold while the winter cold is outside. So it's a like it's an interesting combination of aesthetics and uh, and music that I, I I always like a nice ice zone or winter town and uh, celebrating those in a podcast is something I'm very into. Oh yeah, I'm I'm totally with you. It's one of the reasons I like Heaven's Word so much. To of yeah. course immediately talk about Final Fantasy XIV. <laughs> um, but before we get to Final Fantasy XIV, that'll be later on. Let's introduce our first block of music. And Celos, you have our first track today. That's right. Um, for my first choice, it is Land of Immortality from the Bravely Default soundtrack. Oh, I'm very excited about that one. And after that, um, I brought um, a song from I Am Setsuna, which is, spoiler alert, I did not play the whole game. I don't know if literally the entire game is covered in snow and wintry, but everything I've seen is, so it seemed like a good choice. So let's go listen to Land of Immortality and Winter Journey's Tale.
So, uh, Land of Immortality from Bravely Default original soundtrack. Uh, this is a town song for Eternia. And Eternia is a land of perpetual winter. They're uh, the bad guys for a lot of uh, Bravely Default. So, like, it's like you're kind of infiltrating the villains, uh, the evil villains base a little bit when you first visit Eternia. But it, it's a winter town that is uh, also called the Land of Immortality because uh, people in Eternia live a very very long time because they have advanced scientists and they do a lot of sort of like per, like life preserving and things like cold storage and stasis it's, it's a it's a whole weird vibe over there in eternia but it's a it's a technologically advanced powerful military town that otherwise has all of the trappings of what you would think of as an rpg winter town and this song um just has a lot of what i would call you know winter town musical elements in it it has a sort of echoey chimes. It has uh, it has sleigh bells as part of the percussion for uh, for a significant part of it, and um, goes for a sort of a uh, j- just a small orchestra uh, vibe for most of it. With I think it's a flute carrying the melody after the intro. With uh, but otherwise it has chimes and electric piano. And uh, because Revo is deep down a rock opera aficionado, he includes it. There's a drum set and an electric bass that, that feature prominently also. So it's it's very consistent with what Bravely Default is, very consistent with what a RPG winter town is. And it's one of my favorite songs and one of my favorite soundtracks. I, I love Land of Immortality. Yeah, um, I did not get any... I, so it does a really good job then of hiding like the fact that Eternia is essentially the evil base of the game for most of it um i played some of bravely default i haven't gotten i don't remember eternia so i don't think i ever got there but it's late in the game yeah it's it's uh it's the main town for chapter four or five i'd have to i'd have to look at the table of contents that's yeah i don't think i quite got that far but yeah like i did not get that impression at all although um i'm glad you said flute because flute is like you don't really typically associate flutes with winter town music do you like i think the kind of trappings that i always think of are sleigh bells and chimes and pianos and synth keyboards and things like that but like flutes i always associate with like hermit towns or like towns that are like closed off from the rest of the world and in the tiny bit of reading around i did of eternia the music does carry some sense of mystery around it and i'm i I think i got the sense that it was like surrounded by mountains so you couldn't get there by air very easily is that right i i think so yeah it's um it's snowfields and mountains and difficult to access. And I think at the, in Bravely Second, you start in Eternia. So, and, and I think like the very first dungeon in the game is going through a mountain pass, sort of um, getting out of there. So uh, yeah, just just ice and mountains is the vibe. And um, you're right, I, I don't necessarily think of flute as associated with winter music. Uh, maybe like, I don't know, maybe I would, I would say flute is like with a water town or a town that has a lot of wind and plains or something. Yeah. Like I like, like, I I know, like like tall grasses or reeds is where I would I would throw a flute, but it's a I think it carries the melody for part of the song really well. Yeah, it does add an extra layer of lightness, like the piano does anyway with most of the winter tracks we've got. But yeah, this is a little bit different, and I mean it's superb. It's bravely default, bravely default, and Revo are great. Revo is such a crazy weirdo. <laughs> he like uh, he he also did the uh, other than bravely, I think maybe his his most famous works are either concept albums or the music for the attack on titan anime but he is just big walls of sound bold musical choices huge high energy most of the time and mixture of rock and roll and full orchestra for his instrumentation and um it it was 
a bit of a disappointment learning that he wasn't coming back for Bravely Second, and a huge celebration moment when he w was announced to be coming back for Bravely Default 2. So yeah, Revo, definitely a bit of a musical uh, mad scientist, but, <laughs> but, but really, really fun in Bravely Default soundtrack. Yeah, so what we're saying is, is expect some Bravely Default 2 music from Mike Solosi in a Rhythm Encounter in 2021. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. Uh, uh, just pencil in a couple for second half of 2021. Absolutely. I'm sure that will be the case. Yeah, they. Uh, I think they're aware of what people think too because they've not been shy about letting you know who's doing the soundtrack for the new game. They're like, yes, yes, look who's back. Look, look. And I'm... I'm thrilled about that he's great yeah no, it, it sounds so unique like there's trapping not trappings there's like familiar themes with rpg music but it, it's a very revo spin on the genre and it's great yeah bravely default is sort of a normal quote-unquote rpg for most of its run until it gets <laughs> a little weird and subversive and i think revo was basically trying to do it, uh his spin on things which is either a really great classical version of what of, of like a sort of a typical rpg song for its situation or a really rock and roll over the top version of what you would consider a typical rpg song and it's um just because it's so enormous wall of sound over, over the top is why i love so much of bravely default soundtrack uh, to say nothing of him just being talented in general <laughs> <laughs> right so i don't have the context behind the song that either of you have i think i'm it sounds like i played even less bravely default than you did alana though mostly i can only comment on the song itself which also you guys covered pretty well but the chimes and the sleigh bells i think are nice i like that it's for the most part despite what you said about like a wall of sound and how complex some of his stuff is this song is mostly simple like it's it's kind of a, like the bass melody is fairly simple but it has this sort of momentum to it that i like so it's it's chill, but it still kind of has this, like, I need another word for momentum here. Um, but it kind of has, like, this motivational feel to it a little bit. Not overly in your face, but it's not just, like, a relaxed sound. I guess where it is in the game probably makes sense then, kind of, that it kind of touches on both of those things. Yeah, uh, when I was saying wall of sound and, and bold choices, I was thinking of Revo more in general than specific to this song, I guess. But, yeah, yeah, it, it's... It's a very relaxing, uh, chill song in, in in a setting that evokes that. I hope I hope we don't say chill more than twenty five times this episode. <laughs> uh, but uh, again, just a, one of my favorite soundtracks. A sort of a and a really great version of a winter town song is is how I think of this one. And it has sleigh bells, so I mean, it's right there. It's right there in the title. It's right there. Yep, mm -hmm. it was meant to be. So for my first song today. Uh, Winter Journey's Tale from I Am Setsuna, another game I haven't finished, which is, I'm afraid to really sit down and look at how many games I've started and not finished, but uh, that's probably a topic for another day or for Retro Encounter. <laughs> Weirdly, because Random Encounter is where they talk about not finishing games. Oh, that's true. That's fair. You guys do finish them for your game journals, so yeah. Okay. I, I, I mostly finish them for my game journals. <laughs> I, I, I shouldn't, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here in a glass house with a pile of stones. I'll stop. <laughs> Why are the stones in the house? That's not how this works. Look, my fireplace is weird. It takes stone instead of wood. It's a whole Settlers of Catan trade situation going on. Oh, very interesting. Okay. I got to visit this house sometime. Um. Anyway, yes. So, Setsuna. 
even though I haven't finished it. So again, I don't know if the entire, every single part of the game is covered in snow and wintry, but I'm just going to say it is for, yeah, because everything I've seen is. And if nothing else, all of the music has, because it's all piano, the whole game has this really great, relaxed, you know, wintry, wait, I can't say chill anymore, right? Um, nope. Relaxed vibe. This one I was introduced to really before I even started the game because I bought the game on PS4 and I don't know if it was if you bought it early if you pre-ordered but there was this uh, PS4 theme that was bundled with it so I had the theme and there's two different themes there's a nighttime and a daytime and this song is on the nighttime theme and I pretty much once I set this on my PS4 in I guess 2016 I didn't change it again until earlier this year so I've heard this song I've just heard it on loop anytime my PS4 is on somewhere in the house for <laughs> like three or four years now. So, you know, if I've listened to it that much and I still enjoy it, I guess there's something to it. Again, like the rest of the soundtrack, it's just great piano work. There's this changeover about a minute in that, uh, well, I was going to say it gives me chills, but I won't say that either. I don't know. It's just just a really, really pretty song, and it's good, apparently good background music, because again, I've been listening to it for years. Yeah, I mean, I think this whole soundtrack is really good background music, and everything from the battle music to the town music to this piece, yeah, it's all just really, really serene, I think. And I have not played Setsuna, but from what I remember... I believe it's the sacrificial journey, right? So it's some uh, right. one guy looting a, a girl called Setsuna and she's the last human to be sacrificed. And so I totally get the kind of relaxing, soothing vibes about it. But there's a minute, like the, the first 30 seconds of the song are kind of steady, very gentle. And then there's like a pause for four seconds around 32 seconds. And it's like they're stopping to think. And then when you get to the minute part that you were talking about, Mike, um, the music gets louder. And I think the song like carries this kind of pristine and pure sound. But even though it's really soothing, I think it's really sad. And I think this plays at the end of the game. Um, so um, I think it really does a good job of capturing like snow is beautiful and snow is very soft. But also given the nature of the game that this girl is going to sacrifice her life. Like it captures this kind of be like the beauty of life and the beauty of snow and how finite both snow and life are because you know if the sun comes out the snow is going to melt away and this girl is going to sacrifice her life to save the world or end all this ritualistic sacrificial nonsense and yeah like it's so it, it's kind of an acceptance of the role of her uh, pilgrimage I think and a really beautiful one a little bit sad but I think ultimately the main thing that comes out of it is this kind of soft and gentle side and you know i think there is a loneliness to winter because uh and, and there's loneliness i think to this uh to this game in this soundtrack because it's sort of a solitary journey about someone who is uh who's going to willingly die uh but i i am i also haven't played i am setsuna so i i might be a little bit off the mark there but uh in, in the winter time you know a lot of animals are absent or in hibernation if someone isn't, you know, cozy in their home and, and are traveling outside, there, there won't be a lot of other people or, or animals out there. So I, I think that someone on a solitary journey through a snowy landscape is, is very winter and very lonely. And so, like, having that feeling of 
a, a journey tinged with sorrow and no loneliness is uh, is appropriate and is conveyed in this song. Um, I, it's, I mean, almost all of I Am Setsuna is is uh, is piano work. I think I detected one percussion instrument in this track. It was either, it was either a shaker or someone brushing on the top of a snare drum. Just a, just a couple uh, in there in the in that middle phrase where the uh, where the voice gets a little bigger. But, but uh, yeah, this is I, I think sort of a typical track of I Am Setsuna, and also which also means it's typically beautiful and lonely and wintry. Mm. When I think of lonely winter, I think of Valak Mountain from Xenoblade, mm, like my yes. favorite area in that yeah, game. I think that's my like my favorite areas are Valak Mountain and uh, and um the oh my god the Fallen Arm. Those, Fallen those Arm. Are my, yeah, those are my favorite too. They're they're amazing. Me too. Yeah, I did toy with bringing some Xenoblade, but we've had a lot, and yeah, this is a really good sub in for like lonely, beautiful winter. Good. I'm glad you guys thought so too. Yeah, I haven't actually sat down to listen to the whole soundtrack. I listened to some of it when it came out, and I do really love it. And I kind of want to play Setsuna, but like, I feel bad for Tokyo RPG Factory. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've played yeah. the other two, right? I think I've only played Oninaki. Oh. I didn't like it. Yeah, <laughs> and apparently that's the one of the better ones. And I was like, oh, oops. Oninaki is pretty recent, though, right? It was didn't it come out this it year. Is 2019. Okay, yeah. okay, late 2019. I, I have lost most of my sense of time over the past 10 months. What I what I hear about all the games is that they, they're they kind of, I don't want to say samey, but I feel like some of the criticisms for the first game carried over to the second and maybe even to the third one. Like, I don't know if they don't listen to fan feedback or like they were just jumping into the next game so quickly they didn't address any of it. But it's kind of weird that people would look at a game and say, well, here are the issues I have. And the next one comes out different game, different setting, but like uh, some similar issues and people had similar perspectives. I was going to say only Noki is a bit different because it's action based. And I think the problem with that is just how repetitive it is and how it doesn't really do anything with the concept. But like I am Setsuna and uh, Lost Sphere, I think they're trying to lean too heavily on the Chrono Trigger influence and trying to capture people in that way. And it's like, you can only go so far by taking inspiration from certain things and like some games do it better than others but mm -hmm. you know it's just you can't just essentially slap a new kind of paint on chrono trigger and change it slightly i suppose and call it a 2015 rpg right and i guess i mean i haven't played any of the tokyo rpg factory games to completion and in part because i was scared away by those mediocre to low reviews and my my feeling was that these are games that have really cool ideas and wanted to be just an exploration of a smaller medium sized RPG idea, but ultimately were done in by, you know, what does what affects a lot of uh, games that are a little disappointing. I mean, they just didn't have the, the the time or budget for it. So my my guess was Square Enix wanted to give this small to medium sized studio a chance, but they never really quite executed. Um, as perfectly on their good ideas as uh, Square Enix wanted to. So I, I think, I'm not sure if Tokyo RPG Factory is going to be around anymore, but they at least have uh, an oeuvre that's, you know, at, at least they did something interesting, which is better than something that is truly generic and boring. So because when mm. we're talking about how unique I Am Setsuna's soundtrack is on this podcast, aren't we? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, we got, we got the music and we got the art. Yeah. I mean, I hope they stick around. I know that they earlier this year like they were cited as like a reason for some of their you know losses over the last couple yeah. of years but you know it's 
maybe it's what you said. They were coming out with games so fast that they might not have had the time to do what they wanted, let alone the budget, because they were intentionally a small studio. So I'm hoping since we, it's you know been over a year since their last game and we haven't heard anything, I'm hoping that means maybe they will have the time to make a game that everyone is happy with. So that would be cool, because I would like to see them keep trying. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. I always want games to be good, so of course I'm going to root for a a small studio sponsored by Square Enix. Exactly. Hmm. So, you know another game that would be really cool if we got more of one day? Don't say it. What? Come on. Don't, don't say it. I mean, I'm going to say it, I guess, aren't I? <laughs> Look, I was trying to find a good segue to this next song. <sighs> That's a good think... segue, but there's also, you know, some pain and suffering associated with the, the idea of getting more of this game. I know. I want more of this game, or at least for it to get a re-release whether it's on some miniature system or not just put it on steam or something i don't know just do something with it yeah should we should we tell them what it is just, just say it well alana's here so let's see what could it be ah okay yes. um so well let's introduce because we're gonna this block is a little weird because we're gonna we're gonna go dungeon explore and we're gonna go into an instance so uh, my pick for this block is Ice Town from Skies of Arcadia. Uh, this particular track is composed by Tatsuyuki Maeda. And once you get to the end of the Ice Town, I think it's time for a boss. Don't you think, Slosi? Sure. And uh, what better boss fight for an ice-themed episode of something than Shiva? So we're going with a certain kind of Shiva boss music. Uh, this is Return to Oblivion by Masayoshi Soken from Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers. And uh, basically you fight a version of Shiva in the Eden's Verse raid series. Yes. That is a good non-spoilery way to talk about it. I really wasn't sure where to put that song in this episode. We have so this much works. like relaxing winter music and then this thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yep. you know what? <laughs> Stick it in the middle. I'm, I'm pretty sure Return to Oblivion wins this episode's game of which of these is not like the others. Exactly. Oh, yeah. But it still fits the topic very well. So, all right. Let's go listen to Ice Town and Return to Oblivion.
so the ice town plays during uh, when vice and the crew go to a place called glacier it's the fourth moon kingdom or the fourth moon crystal that you pick up on your journey and Glacier is very different to any of the other areas you visit beforehand. It's the only place that you visit that isn't inhabited by anybody, and it's because the city was built thousands and thousands of years ago uh, by a nation of mages, and they built it underneath a block of ice to preserve it, but they built it so that all the buildings are hanging down from the ceiling like icicles. Now, the reason it's so perfectly preserved is because it's built under that ice, and unfortunately because of what happened prior to the events of the game the entirety of the mage nation was eliminated by a mass a huge calamity but this city has remained like pristine and perfect and so vice and crew come down there and it's all covered in mist and as the mist parts this piece of music plays in and i think it's a pretty simple piece this is a dungeon piece as well so i think Compared to most of the other dungeon music in this game, it's very light and very strange. Like, there's a lot of old ruins and mysterious places you visit, but nowhere's quite as well preserved and perfect as Glacier. Um, and I think there's the main instruments here, there's a synth or electronic piano, synth, a synth violin, and I think a bit of a xylophone towards the end. I think it creates, like, this illusion of, like, the sound of you walking across ice, like a little twinkle. And you do, when you walk around this dungeon, Vice's feet do make that noise. They kind of tinker along. A lot of dungeons in the game kind of react to, which is really cool for a Dreamcast game, actually. They react to the whatever terrain they're walking on. And yeah, it's just a really simple piece. And I think it really, there's a lot of echoing throughout. And I think it really captures like the emptiness of this mysterious lost civilization. Because ice has just managed to keep it so perfect but there's nothing left like it's it's lost like the game tries to make you think that well the game does think that you're like the first people to discover this area you get a discovery for discovering the land of ice and glacier so yeah this is untouched purity and mystery at its finest yeah I've, I've always been drawn to this piece i mean i really love the purple moon kingdom is my favorite in the game and it's probably why ice is my favorite element in any rpg i just really love the symbolism of it and yeah I, I just think this is a really simple piece i don't think it's most people's first pick from this soundtrack but i've always had a strange affinity towards it so yeah you've both played skies of arcadia haven't you oh yeah i didn't play it to completion on dreamcast i didn't actually finish it until the gamecube version Mm. so still that was what 2003 yeah. or so yeah 2003 is um, right yeah so i'm i'm a, I'm a little rusty on it I, I do like the um the notion that this place was preserved in the ice though it's a really interesting setting that way i mean the aesthetic when you when you walk into what is basically a big ice cave and the buildings are hanging from the ceiling instead of you know coming out of the ground is is a bit of is a really cool like um visual concept and having this uh, song play when you're basically exploring ruins, uh, it, like Alana brought up the echoes, and, and it, like it, it's very fitting for what's basically an ice cave. And um, I don't know if Alana shares my feelings on this. I think the Purple Moon Kingdom was a little shortchanged. Yeah, I really do. I'd love to know more about it. Because the first three big sections of the game, once you sort of get rolling, are the uh, red, green, and and blue kingdoms and all yeah. of them are 
uh, visiting a new town, like discovering a new zone, exploring a, a big area with a lot, a lot of stuff to do, and they're each a significant chunk of the game. But the Purple Moon Kingdom is just this one ruin that takes like a quarter as much time to resolve as the as those yeah. first three. So I wish there was more time spent in the Purple Moon Kingdom. I do as well, yeah, but I guess again, that's what the extinction part is for, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Just to kind of brush it under the carpet. And I suppose as well, like, um, there is a rolling storyline right from the beginning of the game involving the Gigas for that area, yep. which are like the six ancient weapons that were born to, activated by these moon crystals, and the purple one spoilers is you see it very early on and it's a yeah. very good thread throughout most of the game and it concludes when you get to the end of it which is really sad yeah one of the main characters has a connection to the gigas and the purple moon kingdom and it's a uh, it's an impressive amount of setup and payoff but it's very it's very tragic and um and, and that if anything that that's the big event that happens to the party in the purple moon kingdom right yeah but yeah, it's still one of my favorite places in the game, and I do wish that we got more of it. Before you go in here, there's like a trivia set, a set of trivia questions that you have to answer <laughs> to get in. They're all related to the Moon Kingdom or the purple um, element or, yeah, the purple moon. So, yeah, it's it's all about wisdom and mystery, this place, which is just, just kind of my vibe. It's ice, I think. I'm trying to think, was there a Sentai team that was red, blue, yellow, green, purple, silver? I'm not sure. Huh. There probably is. Well, there there aren't a lot of purple rangers, so I'm, I'm just trying to, you know, no, no, there isn't one. Because huh. there's what well, the, three? There's only yeah. There's only well, okay. One series had has uh, has twelve rangers, and those six colors are represented. So it's so that, that that's the, that's the only one. Oh, well, there you go. Q, yeah, Q Ranger from 2017. Oh well. Okay. One of my secret talents is I can, if you give me a year, I can tell you who won the NBA championship and what season of Super Sentai was airing. A very, very specific talent. Incredibly specific talent. That I, you I, have. I think I'm the. I think I'm the only person in the middle of that Venn diagram. You might be. Yes. <laughs> it's a fine Venn diagram to be a part of. Yep. But yeah, at the end of this ice dungeon, there's no, there's no Gigas. It's mm. just Shiva. Yes, in this uh, rhythm encounter Frankenstein of a dungeon that we've concocted. This is similar to what we did a few minutes ago, Alana. I'm going to try and tiptoe around spoilers here, especially <laughs> since the, uh, these events, I think, might be early 2020, when the or Mike, whenever the uh, 4.2 patch was. Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah, so February, wasn't it? 5.42? Like, yeah. I think so, and it's, it's appropriate that would happen in the winter. But um, in, in general, the Eden raids in FF14 Shadowbringers are... Uh, them visiting a completely empty part of the world and trying to find a way to restore mana to it. And in doing so, you have to fight several elemental bosses that are twisted versions of the elemental bosses from Realm Reborn six or seven years earlier. And uh, so you have to fight Eden versions of Titan and and Garuda and Ifrit and all, and all that jazz. So this is the Eden-Shiva boss fight. And... Uh, there is a, there's another again there's another Shiva boss fight from around 2014 in the uh, in the 2.4 or 2.5 um, storyline from Realm Reborn and this is in a way a reprise of that because in both of those fights a an individual takes the power of Shiva into her body and you're fight instead of fighting a like a giant summoned uh, primal you're fighting sort of a humor I'm sorry a human that has taken on the powers of the primal. 
and it is using them in a way that is sort of very specific to the story and very personal. Uh, again, I, I hope this isn't too much spoilers, but uh, the song Return to Oblivion does evoke a little bit of Oblivion, the song for uh, the battle theme for regular Shiva in the 2.5 stuff, but there's a an element of uh, it's, it's a little bit uh, it's a little bit darker and the stakes feel a little bit higher because if you if this doesn't work and you don't defeat Shiva then your friend that summoned Shiva into herself is definitely going to die and and maybe also kill everything around her and uh, the lyrics of the song sort of convey this idea of a woman who is scared and lonely but wants to do this to you know, you know, to help others and and bring some extra meaning to her life. So I'm just gonna I'm looking at the lyrics right now. Eyes wet with tears, her song in my ears, broken, faded. How long I have waited? Skip around a little bit. Falling too far for the fear to embrace me. A voice from the past screaming, "There is no end." Uh, slave to my fate, ever doomed to repeat this again and again and again. It's so so like there is a there is emotional turmoil in this character, and she is singing it out in a song that is just a straight up banger. <laughs> Oh god, yeah. It I is think you so sent cool. this to me when the patch dropped and I just listened yeah. to it. I was like, Soken, will you stop doing this to me? That, like that yeah. that patch also had the Eden Ramu and the Eden uh Ifrit um songs yeah. and and all of them were just killer. Whenever like like if you uh, if if you're on the outside looking in and you're wondering why Final Fantasy fans go nuts every three, or Final Fantasy fourteen fans go nuts every three and a half or four months when a patch drops. It's because every patch has more story, some cool new content, and a couple extra Soken tracks. And th- this is of all uh, like Shadowbringers is probably my favorite phase of FF fourteen, uh, which is not an uncommon opinion. Most people's favorite is either Heavensward or, Sh- or Shadowbringers, and. Part of why is because there is just awesome Masayoshi Soken music every couple of months, and like, and they usually release, like, they'll they'll release them online, like in an EP or an LP or something, and then you can get a, a, a bigger version of the soundtrack once a year. But uh, Return to Oblivion is a sort of a high, a, a a rock song that does have some of those echoey things that we would asso- like echoey chimes that we would associate with uh with icy music but this very harsh percussion and crunchy guitar is just a straight up uh a, a, stra- a straight up rock ballad and with this character um sort of singing her feelings in uh w- with with a very beautiful timbre to her voice uh that is uh that is even better if you know the context around the fight and uh, and this character's um, struggle. So, yeah, I, I love FF14. That's not a shock to anybody. And I think that this song and the story around it is one of the better parts of the best part of FF14. It's crazy. Uh, I haven't played up to this yet. I have been unsubbed for nearly four years. So <laughs> come like March 2021 it'll be four years but i'll be resubbing before that so don't worry um, i mean <laughs> i've got a lot to catch up on um i don't mean to sound like yeah. i'm an ff14 og or anything I, i've basically <laughs> played ff14 in three lengthy uh phases <laughs> once in 2016 once 2019 and once earlier this year where i just completely binged and turned into a uh turned into a video game goblin in each of those at each of those times oh yeah i played through like the entirety of a realm reborn and heaven's ward in like two months don't worry mm-hmm. I, I get it ff14 totally will do it. that to you yep oh yeah but yeah, um, like without the context, because obviously I haven't done this. I have, I I've gotten to like patch three point two when I unsubbed, so I have done 
the Shiva raid in the original and yeah I think it's really interesting you picked this because we did have the original Oblivion on the first winter episode we did back in 2015 as well which is rightly so because it's it's an amazing track in itself but this is this is unreal like this elevates it beyond it because it's so it's I think what's really interesting to me is Mike pointed this out like where 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 does this go in the episode like this is the one you'll you'd point out as being different but like all of the tracks we've picked otherwise capture like this pristine beauty about ice but actually ice is a destructive dangerous force in a way and this kind of captures the you know there's a very there's a line in the lyrics that says like visions in white raw fury in flight clear as diamond yet fragile as ice my heart is racing like you know ice is so fragile but so sharp that it could like this song is just kind of embodies that like it's it's so dissonant and there's so much unusual instrumentation used and it's it's kind of it's not uncomfortable to listen to but like I can't think of anything else that sounds like Return to Oblivion. It like puts me on edge and riles me up and it, it, it's just, it's extremely powerful and the lyrics are really beautiful as well. But yeah, it's just, this is the destructive side of Ice and like it's going to take this girl's life if you don't save her or get defeat Shiva or do whatever you need to do. And this kind of captures it really perfectly, like that internal struggle of... I'm sure I'm aware that Shadowbringers is very much about light and dark, very, mm-hmm. very boiled, boiled down to that inner struggle that everybody has, but also the external side of it on this patch, or actually the whole expansion. But yeah, it's just, yeah, I could just shower praise on this all day, because it's so good. I mean, go right ahead. <laughs> I need more context. I need to. What I need to do, Mike, is resub to Final Fantasy XIV. But unfortunately, I have podcast games, review games, and other things to do. Oh, no, you don't need. I will. No, we don't need to do that retro encounter podcast anymore. Uh, excuse you. Oh, sorry, I forgot you were here. Um, are you are, are you trying to are you trying to steal away my my top panelist? How dare you? <laughs> I mean, always, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, fair. Yeah, who wouldn't want to? For, okay, from the motivation standpoint, uh, totally agree. But from a rudeness standpoint, how dare you again? Okay, but, that's true. Uh, that's true. It, I'm not saying it's not rude. Why? Why are we fighting over me? Don't know why. It turns out that podcasters named Mike just can't get enough of Alana. But that's true. Um, two out of two yeah, mics but, would agree. Yeah, but uh, back to Return to Oblivion, uh, Alana, you nailed it. Like winter is not all, you know, like like echoing chimes and ice caves or or sort of cozy music with sleigh bells in it. It's uh, winter is harsh and deadly a, a lot of the time, and, and and I think that's the part of winter that is captured in Return to Oblivion. This is a this is a sort of rough um, boss battle song, uh, twinge mostly with I would say mostly rock if I had to attach a genre to it. But I don't know, again, I'm going to avoid spoilers. Again, a very dramatic scene happens at the end of this boss of this boss fight that is you know important to the context of the story of the raid but basically drama unfolds both in the setup and the conclusion to the gameplay here and i think that the uh and the music captures the the danger and the struggle of what's going on really beautifully yeah yeah and 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 yeah mike mike you know exactly what i'm talking about but it would definitely be spoilers to go into more detail right i do because it's the only game on today's episode that i have quote-unquote finished 
um, yeah, yeah. That you've you've never finished Final Fantasy fourteen, though, have you? Well, I, I'm at least caught up on it. So you're as finished as you can be with this game. I have seen the credits of multiple expansions. That's more credits than I've seen for most of the other games. Um, Each one of those credits is like 35 minutes, man. There's a lot of they, they, there's a lot of resources to go into 14. There is, there is. So, but no, that you're right. That scene captures that that danger and that like harshness of ice and winter that's there too. And you know, it. I think that's also reflected in the title and of course in the original Shiva fight and music. Um, I think it's interesting that they brought this back and some of the other primal songs they brought back for the Eden series, they really sound like the originals. You can tell it's like like Ramu and some other ones, like this is a mm. new arrangement of this song. This one kind of doesn't. It it doesn't sound like the same song. It's totally new, but it's trying to do a similar thing, even though the instrumentation is way different. Yeah, it's a it's a reprisal of the concept, but yes. it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like a rearrangement. Because in, in both Oblivion yeah. and Return to, to Oblivion the person summoning Shiva is singing their feelings and, and it's they're they're complicated and, and they're both rock songs to a degree, but like Return to Oblivion is sort of a scary rock song while it while um original Oblivion is sort of an energetic pop song. Yeah. Well yeah, isn't the character kind of invoking Shiva deliberately, whereas in this patch I suppose it's not entirely deliberate? Um, uh, no, it, it is deliberate, but it is two different characters in very different situations. Yeah, okay. and for different purposes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it's it's. I feel like it's a little less in your face than the original, but I, I like that because, you know, the original one is like a really in your face, like Japanese like rock style song, which I remember like at I think at first when it came out, like a lot of people weren't sure about it because it was. Even though there was some music similar to it in the game at the time, there was nothing quite like that. And it, I think it threw oh, people yeah. a bit. I liked it, so I'm not a good... Yeah, I can't really explain why, but... No, I can I can understand it being controversial yes. or, uh, or, or or a mixed result, mixed reaction. That makes sense. Although I was I was not playing uh, FF14 in 2014 when that happened. Ah. Well, it's better than good King Mogglemog. That... Why are people so down on that song? <laughs> King Mogglemog does have some of the Mog theme from FF6 in it, and I, I respect it. Yeah, but it, 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 but it's a weird song. <laughs> it is. Oh, I know it's weird. Um, but no, so I, I like that the original one was rock, but in some of the follow-up albums, some arrangement albums, um, Oblivion kept showing up in like other forms. Like there's one that's more piano and really, really slowed down. It's a completely different take on it. And you know, the lyrics to the original are pretty they're pretty sad like it's a melancholy song even though the the music doesn't convey that but the lyrics do so it was interesting that they a couple years later would go on to do this song it's like well now everything about it kind of sounds melancholy and it's go figure a song called oblivion would be kind of depressing at times so this one i think is interesting because it's sort of it sort of pulls in both sides of that like it's not pure rock you know and it goes up and down in terms of like the the tempo or the intensity um, which again fits with what's going on in the story, and I don't know. I thought it was an interesting take. Yeah, it's it's Definitely. a it's it's a super interesting take on that character and this boss fight, and and I think it's one of the more memorable songs in the post Shadowbringers phase of it. Yeah, I mean, it's also it's I think one of my favorite like raid battles in general too. So I can't even. It's a cool raid battle, and the 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 uh, the story cutscene you get during the raid battle 
it, it's an unskippable cutscene, but it's the kind of one that just gets the fan base fired up instead of saying, "Oh, I just want my M I just want my my yeah. drops. Come on." Exactly. So I can't wait to see what they do with it next. <laughs> oh yeah, um, uh, this I think this episode might be going up after four point four comes out, but they that's when they finish the raid series. We should be getting um Eden nine through twelve. The, the, this boss yeah. fight is Ooh. Eden eight. Yeah, I mean, as of this recording, yeah. that comes out nice. in four days. So. Yeah, so yeah, so the, it'll be out by the time this is posted. But I mean, I think that an Ultimecia bo boss fight is guaranteed. Maybe also Griever. Not not sure. Uh, but I'm I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, me too. Nice. All right. Well, now I just want to talk about Final Fantasy 14. So I probably should have put that one at the end. Mm. <laughs> but before we go too far down that, let's let's switch over to something else now. We have two, technically three more songs today. I have our first song in our last block, and the first song will be uh, Flame's Grace, Guiding Light from Octopath Traveler, another personal favorite of mine from that soundtrack. And then after that, Alana has another song. I do, yeah. Um, so I'm amazed we've never had a piece of music from this game on the show, so it's pretty cool to bring one on. Uh, this is White Mirror from the Eternal Sonata original score by Matoi Sakuraba. And Marcos, I'm disappointed. Why have you not brought Eternal Sonata on the show before How now? has a game called Eternal Sonata <laughs> never been on Rhythm Encounter? That's wild. And I think I mentioned this literally on another podcast. That's one of the games I associate with Marcos. So I'm, I'm, I'm shocked that we haven't gotten it yet. We'll get into the specifics of the song in the game yeah. in a sec. All right. But yeah. So let's go listen to Flames Grace and White Mirror. Thank you. 
I was pretty sure I wanted this song on the episode pretty early on. And part of that's because Materia Collective recently brought out this big like collaboration album for Octopath Traveler called Flames Grace. I'm not sure exactly why they honed in on that as the title of the album, because the songs kind of go everywhere in the game. But it was a reminder that this is a great just um, that town and the song like it's got this just beautiful, beautiful like winter, you know, visual and sound to it. And um, I, I was specifically going to use something from that album, but there was something about the original. It, I think it's the the chimes or whatever it is, there's some particular instrumentation in the original song here that I didn't get in other arrangements. Surprisingly, this is also not one of the songs that usually shows up in the um, like other arranged albums because Octopath Traveler got a whole bunch of attention from Square pretty, pretty quickly. Like there's several arranged albums, there's a concert and some other stuff. Um, but this song doesn't show up that often. Not that there's anything wrong with picking the original, but I do like to try to do my homework and if there's an interesting arrangement sometimes I'll bring that on but the the most wintry of all of them was still the original at least in the ones I have heard right yeah the ones on flame grace I think are jazzy aren't they um, yeah oh yeah, and they're, I, I they're did great have a, yeah yeah no they're really good yeah but like, like you said they don't really they're not like appropriate for this theme and the one that does tend to get covered off the original soundtrack is the Frostlands because that's got break and boost cover and I debated bringing that on because that might be my favourite song on Break and Boost. But Flames Grace is amazing and um, I think what I really love about it is there's like this, there's, there's kind of two tones to it. Like Flames Grace is a holy city, it's where the church is based and it's where Ophelia, one of the eight octopath travellers, comes from. So it's got this kind of noble icy feel to it, like the bells and the chimes kind of fill in that, like do that job and there's a lot of synth echoing in the background as well which I really love it gives it a really mystical feeling to it but I think where the piano and the bells do the winter side of things you've got the violin which I th it feels like when the violin comes in at about 45 seconds it's almost like you're inside one of the houses because what I love about the visual style of Octopath Traveler especially for Flames Grace is it's a dark place because it's always winter but all of the, the the whole town is lit up by like the big flame at the center and all of the windows that are all lit up. So the violins always remind me of like sitting inside one of those houses, being all really cozy and warm and watching the snow fall on the outside. And the violins are also used in Ophelia's theme as well. So like all of the areas and the characters and the like the the eight parts of the map all use similar motifs and the violin is very similar in Ophelia's theme and in Flame's Grace as well and I think it's cool. This is maybe the most Christmassy track on the list as well today, I think. I think the bells are very, very festive in this song. It's really cute. Yeah, yeah. I I, I could talk about Octopath Traveler all day because the soundtrack is incredible. And yeah, I, I couldn't pick a favorite town theme, but this is probably right up there. The last episode of Rhythm Encounter I was on, I used an Octopath Traveler track because it's it's one of my favorite soundtracks of the past Five years maybe go, maybe going back past 10 years and i think octopath is interesting the, the map is basically a pizza with each of the eight eight slices being like the hometown of one of the eight characters and a specific climate or, or environment <laughs> and, and and so this is the ice slice and, and and like alana mentioned it's a holy city and that the two phrases sort of evoke different feelings 
I think it's very accurate. Um, I, I, I think that maybe because this is a winter climb, they're the religion that is hosted there respects and worships fire to a degree because there's a whole fire ritual that you have to take That's part right. in um, as for part of Ophelia's quest. And so, so it's like because they live in this frozen environment, uh, like fire and the hearth are worshipped to a degree. And that first phrase, which is, you know, more twinkly, I think they might play a glockenspiel or, or orchestral bells with like a soft rubber ballad or something, plus uh, plus sleigh bells and piano, a, a little bit I am Setsuna. And then moving into the full orchestra strings is a little bit like being out in the cold and snow and then going and then stepping inside and feeling the warmth of the fire, I think is like the feeling going in from the first to second phrase. And it's it's so beautiful and powerful. The entire Octopath Traveler soundtrack is awesome and has been uh, like Square Enix has been giving it a good attention to it, like Alana mentioned. But I think that the, that it has almost universal approval from the fans. Uh uh, I forget the uh, the composer's name, but he would be he would be on my list of people to possibly replace a certain different composer that works at my that uh, that has done all the music for my favorite series. So it's Yasunori Nishiki, and Nishiki. would the other contenders on that list be Soken and Lotus Juice? Uh, Soken, one hundred percent. Lotus Juice. Um, I, I believe we did we did talk <laughs> about that for episode two hundred uh, many moons ago, but. Uh, but yeah, yeah, Nishiki and Soken are would be my top uh, choices to um, work to do the music for a Dragon Quest game in the future. But uh, yeah, I think that this song is so evocative of the of the place that it's in, and is just such a beautiful version of a sort of an RPG winter town vibe that we've explored several times in this podcast already, and is a little familiar to us. That uh, like, of course, Octopath Traveler and Nishiki's soundtrack would knock it out of the park for their winter town. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, so I suppose if we're going to move on from one holy town, we'll take it to another. And um, yeah, like I said earlier, I'm surprised Eternal Sonata, a game which is literally about Chopin, it has not appeared on this podcast before. So here we go. And I know Sakuraba is <laughs> debated a lot. And I know we have, you know, there's fans. And I do like a lot of Sakuraba's music. Um, I think Eternal Sonata is an example of some of his best work post Certainly post PlayStation 1 era. I'm not a fan of his Tales or Starration work as much. Uh, but I think this is really good. It's right up there with Baton Kaitos for me. And Dark Souls as well. So White Mirror plays in a... It's in a winter town. It's one of the... It's not a holy town necessarily. But it's got a huge castle cathedral at the centre. Um, and the city is called Baroque City. Which is pretty interesting I think. Because this piece of music... And... God, I hope I'm getting it all right, and I'm sure somebody with vast, more, better music knowledge will come and snipe me if I'm wrong, but I think White Mirror takes some Baroque stylings and applies it to the piece, so the most predominant piece of, like, the most predominant instrument in this is the harp, and I think the most defining feature of this song is how often it changes volume and it trills throughout, so there's so many times where the harp will play a certain note sequence and then shift to another one and then shift back to the original and then at like 56 seconds the violins come in and another harp comes in and it just increases in volume and there's this mix of like really soft piano and harp but also much louder violin and piano and harp that all works together really well 
Baroque itself is fairly typical for a nice town. It's very white and very noble and very serene. It's very rich as well. That's like another thing about some ice towns, especially Namco, Trace, and Monolith Soft ice places tend to be either really barren or full of really expensive buildings. And Baroque kind of fits that. And I think it being like a castle town, it captures that kind of nobility really well with the piano in the background. I've just always really been attracted to this piece because it is just really peaceful and I think it's got a lovely use of the harp. Um, I think Sakuraba is really good at um, implementing harp into his music whenever he gets the chance to do it and yeah I just think it's a really lovely lovely piece. There was another ice pick, um, I can't remember the name of the track, it's like a field of snow and ice or something, the next area after this that I was thinking of bringing on but I think this this is my one of my favourite pieces on the soundtrack and I thought I had to bring it on to be the first representative for uh, the Chopin JRPG, I suppose. Yeah, I'm glad you did. But what made you choose this one over the other one? Um, I kind of felt like the other one was not sparse. I guess it is sparse. Um, it was a lot more simplistic and I, maybe I anticipated um, the Frostlands to come over it um, so I didn't want to bring like um two dungeon themes because the next piece plays in like an overworld dungeon area and I'd already brought one dungeon theme and I thought I want to bring Skies of Arcadia because I've been on five episodes of this podcast maybe and I haven't brought a Skies of Arcadia song so there's something wrong with me and I need to fix that um so yeah I, maybe another day for another theme who knows but we'll see going back to this song I'm I'm almost a little surprised we haven't brought up how beautiful that violin main melody is for the in, in the in the middle phrase because it is right. it is real nice and it's, I don't think it this is like a this is like a string quartet I think this is just a a, a violin solo that is quite beautiful but yeah um, but you're right the harp and piano counter melody is sort of the uh, maybe the the, se- the centerpiece of this song and it's uh it's really good I I'm not a stranger to Sakuraba I've played several tales in Star Ocean games. Um, and and uh, I think he does the music to every Tri Ace game, but uh, don't don't come after me if if that's an incorrect detail. <laughs> uh, and I think that he can his music can run together a little bit. Like if you played for me uh, a track from him around the 1998 to 2001 area era, like it's like oh, is this Tales of Destiny or Eternia or Valkyrie Profile or Star Ocean Two? I I need to uh, my 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 brain library is uh, is you know. The Dewey Decimal System's out of whack here, um, but like, I don't know this game. I haven't played it, but this is—I would not be—I I would not object to calling this peak Sakuraba because this is really, really good <laughs> and and sort of um, better than the slightly more generic RPG sound I associate with Sakuraba. I'm, I'm a I'm a Sakuraba appreciator, but not necessarily not necessarily a lover. This is this is a good version of Sakuraba for sure. And that, yeah, and that I violin. Think I think when he's given the time to do the work, he can do really amazing work. And I really love the Valkyrie Profile soundtrack. It's probably one of my favourites of his. And I he and Bankaitos is great. Eternia is great. Tales of Eternia is probably my favourite soundtrack other than Legendia for the Tales series. So yeah, he can do really brilliant stuff like this. But yeah, and just unfortunately the short turnaround on Tales games and Star Ocean games means that he's kind of forced to use 
he's kind of forced to do things a little bit differently and it doesn't really let him have the range like the violin piece that you brought up violins harps and vocals i think if sakuraba does more of that then that's great and luckily baton chaos has a lot of that and it's why it's probably my favorite sakuraba soundtrack but this is pretty close because i mean think about how many games between the two of us we've rattled off in the past few minutes sakuraba <laughs> is so prolific that yeah. uh I think part of it is that he might be he might be a little bit overworked, and yeah. uh, and which makes which maybe means he he isn't allowed to hit his creative peaks or or like or like uh, as easily as someone that works that has fewer game projects over their career. But yeah, but I mean, re respect the guy for being so prolific and respect him for making a song that's this good. This is this is this is good Sakuraba. It is, and yeah, I do wonder if it's it's a case of. You know, I'm not trying to hit this like annual release cycle or something. So I think between the turnaround and I, I don't have a link or anything offhand. It's been a while, but I, I feel like several years ago there was an article out there too where, and again, if I'm wrong, then like please like correct me here. But I, I feel like I recall reading an interview or something where people asked them about that, where it's like, hey, like why do some of these like Tales games or so many kind of sound similar? And I don't remember if he mentioned the turnaround, but like that wouldn't surprise me. But I also feel like he said, like, that, you know, Bandai Namco, like, would come to him and specifically ask for a very specific kind of sound. Like, well, I make yeah. that because they said that's what they wanted me to do, even though sometimes they get other composers in to do other things. But it's like, I mean, hey, if they say they want this, he's going to deliver that. So, you know, I can't right. fault him for that. No, absolutely. And this is like, not only do you have like the flexibility with this game, but you're also composing composing music for a game about a well highly regarded renowned composer and pianist. Mm -hmm. Like, it's it's kind of a dream, really, to think. Oh, do you want to score a video game about Chopin's, not Chopin's life, but about Chopin? And I think you'd jump at the chance, wouldn't you, if you considered yourself good at com um, composing music? Oh, yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. yeah and, and, and Chopin was a virtuoso pianist, and I, without any real knowledge of this, I wouldn't be surprised if Sakuraba included like motifs from some of Chopin's most famous works in here. We, I, I don't know if he did or not, but it wouldn't surprise me. So the final boss theme is certainly a rearrangement of one of his piano pieces, but also um, another pianist does play specifically eight, I think it's eight or nine specific pieces that oh, Chopin cool. wrote so yeah there's like moments in there and I think plenty of the music does use a lot of the motifs from his music but yeah the final boss theme is a rearrangement of I don't know what the actual name of it is or like the you know what movement it is but I believe the track is called Grand Valse Brillante so where is Marcos yeah. Gaspar when you need him <laughs> yeah it's retitled that in game anyway mm -hmm. so yeah it's really good yeah, i really uh, really love it i've been playing a game recently called 13 sentinels aegis rim which might which has good music so it might make a future appearance in, in the in an episode of this podcast but one of the status effects in that game is called brain overload and i think that's what sakuraba has he's got brain overload <laughs> too, from, from composing so much i wasn't sure where Me that too. reference was going but well done <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't either and i've beaten 13 sentinels so yeah it, that's what i'm going to be going back to 20 minutes after we're finished. Oh, yeah, I don't want to keep you from that. We have a, a bonus track at the end of the show, but I have some outro and housekeeping stuff. Um, at some point, I'm going to just write down a script of this. And at Solosi, if you don't have one, I'd be surprised. Or have you just memorized yours by now? I've memorized 
what it is, but I usually make notes to see for like what the next episodes are and 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 um, and who's on the show. But I, I've done it so I've done housekeeping outros so many times that I, I don't need it written out. Oh, okay. See, I'm not there yet. I'm not there. I got to get back in the in the groove here. You'll you'll get there once you record 200 episodes of a show. <laughs> yes, yes, say. that's yeah. true. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening to episode 59 of Rhythm Encounter. In a couple of weeks, we're going to have episode 60, which should be early, mid-January or so. And that one, we don't have a name for it yet besides the what we're calling it right now is the hiatus episode, in which all of the songs that we're going to have featured on that were songs for games or albums that released during the uh, three years that Rhythm Encounter was on hiatus. So even though we've brought some of that on in recent episodes, we have some Octopath, Traveler, and some Near. I'm thinking we're going to see more of those. So that should be an interesting specific oh yeah specific range of years of music. So, you know, a lot of times we have a theme or a composer, but there's nothing technically tying these together. So I think it could be a really interesting mix of music we get. If there's no near and no Xenoblade 2, then I will be stunned and I will take everybody on that episode down. I, I, I believe one person on that episode is going with those two exact games. <laughs> I mean, oh, okay. if, if he doesn't, then I, I don't know. I don't know what to say to him. I'll, oh, I, I, I've, he and I have I'll been talking. He and I have been talking. It, it's those two specific games. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. <laughs> okay. No one dying them. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Now I can rest easy. So anyway, yes. So look forward to that in a couple of weeks. Um, in the meantime, if you have any feedback on this show, if you, you know, want to suggest some future topics or just hey, drop us a message about whatever you want. You can reach the show at music at rpgfan.com. You can reach me at mike at rpgfan.com. And how about you two? Alana, what's the best way for people to reach you? Probably Twitter. Um, so you can find me on there at, at Alana Hagues, or I am on the RPG Fan Discord as well. I am Alana on there. Um, if you want to email me, uh, my email address is alanah at rpgfan.com. Okay, and Celosi. Right. Um, I'm also probably easiest to find on Twitter. I am at the real monsoon most of the time, at Evoker for Dogs at other times, and I am Monsoon Mike on RPG Fans Discord and Solosi at RPGfan.com for my staff email. Awesome. So I'm sure you've noticed by now, if whether or not you're a new listener, but in your uh, podcast app, you will have a full track list of all the songs that were featured on this episode along with links to places you can buy or stream them and our review and whatever other relevant links we might have. So they'll be in your podcast and you can also find them on the show notes on rpgfan.com. So if you want to see, get a refresher of all of our tracks, that's where you would go. And while you're on rpgfan.com or in your podcast app, I also recommend you check out um, RPG Fan's other podcasts. So we have our general gaming show and... Sometimes I don't know how to describe the other shows, but yeah. Random Encounters sometimes is new games that people are playing or sometimes random old games. So we're just going to call it our general podcast. Um, and then we have Retro Encounter, which sometimes I also struggle to describe, but I don't have to because our Retro Encounter host is here. So you can describe your show. Oh, do you want me to, want me to go into all the show descriptions that I say at the end of the episode? Oh, yeah, sure. Go for it. <laughs> sure. Uh, okay. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, please check out RPG Fan's other fine podcasts, including Random Encounter, about randomness, Retro Encounter, uh, a weekly game, a weekly show of many topics, Phoenix Edge, about 
which is also weekly and mostly about current events, and Rhythm Encounter about RPG music. Oh, you should have said about rhythmness to. Um, oh, I should have mm. to settle that Twitter follower. Oh, oh, that would I again? I, I missed the moment too late now. Yeah. Well, you you can do it I, when you're actually on a retro encounter. Next yeah. time. Yeah, we can, we can we can do that. Uh, yeah, yeah, we we can do that later this month. Sure. Yeah. We'll edit all this out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll I'll tell the editor to do that. So that's just about it. If you like what you heard here, we would appreciate it if you could check us out on whatever podcast platform you're on. Leave us a review, subscribe, you know, all that good stuff. So to close us out today, what is our bonus closing track for this winter episode? Right. Now, this may come as a surprise to listeners of Retro Encounter because there's a couple a, a couple songs on, uh, or I should say, a couple games that I am well known to dislike. And uh, one of those games is the first Persona. I'm a big Persona fan, but I don't like Persona 1. And so today's track is from Persona 1, the theme to the Snow Queen. Uh, and the Snow Queen's theme is used multiple times uh, uh, throughout the game. It's, uh, it was written by Kenichi Tsuchiya, uh, who was one of the early Atlas composers before, uh, uh, before the modern sound team took over. And uh, it's used in, I think... Uh, walking around the school and in ba- and in certain battles and certain story scenes in Persona 1, but this version is from the 2016 Persona 20th Anniversary concert and is a sort of a melancom- melancholy, lonely arrangement of Snow Queen that I think fits because that quest is about a sort of a, a sad, lonely ghost who traps you uh, in your high school, uh, threatening to freeze over everything if you um, if you don't. Uh, if, you, if you don't comply with her wishes. So it's, uh, again, this is a, a, a sort of beautiful, melancholy winter song that has snow right in the title. All right, so we'll go listen to the Snow Queen's theme, and uh, thank you all for listening, and thank you both so much for being here. We'll see you next time.
And guess what? I used to work for the parks department, so I know all the good places to hide bodies. Oh, an abandoned storm drain where no one lives within within five kilometers? Perfect. Oh, God. <laughs> this thing is going to be so decomposed when the police find it. Oh, 